Um, so it's kind of funny to talk about, uh, I'm going to introduce Keith, who's going to be with us, talk him as a guest. Uh, Keith has been here as long as I've been here. Um, uh, Keith was on the original, an original uh, committee to get Roger appointed as the pastor of the church 20 years ago. In fact, they asked Keith to do this job in interim. He's like, yeah, I'm not a pastor. You don't want to, you don't want me to do this. Um, so Keith has been with us for 20 plus years. And so in the next several weeks, uh, what we felt we were going uh, to do as a church is to just talk about where are we going? Where do we sense God is leading us as a community? And so, you know, the last couple of weeks we talked about prophetic uh, direction that God's given us. And so, so just so you know, where, where the best we can figure out where God is taking us is to Jesus. And so one of the things we say around here is that Jesus is our vision. And so we're going to be talking about that next week. But I thought there'd be no better introduction to the idea that Jesus is where God is taking us than, than my friend Keith uh, talk about friendship with Jesus. I, I know you're going to be mad at me for this, Keith, but I don't care. I'm going to brag on you a little bit. So Keith, how many of you have, raise your hand if you haven't heard Keith speak. Oh, yes. This is fun. You got a new crowd here, brother. All right. So Keith has spent 40 years, almost 40 years, literally carrying a cross into 300, 400 nations, 200, 8,000 nations. <laughs> this guy has, if you're ever just like bored and want to hear a story, ask Keith. It's probably happened to him. Um, and here's, here's what I like about Keith. Here's what I like about Keith. He can tell you stories like crazy stuff. He's been held in prison multiple times. He's been held at gunpoint. He's been held at knife point. He's been held in boring conversations, I imagine, too, along with all those other things. But I've known Keith this whole time, and I've gotten to know Keith more and more deeply over the years. And it reminds me of Paul in Philippians 3 where Paul had a really, really good uh, CV. He had a very good resume. I mean, he, he'd studied at all the right schools. He'd done all the right stuff. And But then he said this to the church at Philippi. He said, I once thought those things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. I've watched this guy suffer like very few people I've ever met. Suffer heartache, misunderstanding, judgment, physical pain. And somehow this guy just says, okay, but I'm going to chase after Jesus. 
That, my friends, is worth giving a little attention to. And I know you don't want us to do that, Keith, but tough luck, Chuck. Keith turns 60 tomorrow. So let's just sing happy birthday to Keith to honor him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Keith, we love you. So why don't you come up for a minute? We're going to worship Jesus just for a minute longer. He asked, this is the kind of guy he is. Can we worship Jesus for a little bit before we, before we start? He had no idea I was going to do that. So it's probably a really good idea, actually. So why don't you lead us for just a minute, Sam? that we can focus on our Lord Jesus again, because he is going to transfer to us in this moment some of the intimacy that comes from a life lived in submission to Jesus, sharing in both his suffering and his resurrection life. So let's worship Jesus just for a minute before Keith comes up.
I don't know if you all are physically able. And if you're not, please don't do this. But if you are, could you just slip out of your seat to your knees for just a moment? He is the king. And he's here. And he is holy. You know, when Sam and I spoke this this week, you know, if you if you think about this, it changes the way that you worship. There's a worship service going on in heaven. It's day and night, the Bible says, night and day. And there really is, there's, there's one word over and over again, holy, holy, holy. We sing worthy, worthy, worthy. And we have the chance to join that service. Or we have the choice to have our own service where we do worship. We either can worship and join the heavenly song or we can do worship and sing our own songs. I want to remind you that there will There will not be sermons in heaven. But day and night, night and day. And so Lord King, Jesus, we join all of heaven and we say worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And we honor you. And we welcome you. Precious Holy Spirit, help me to lift up Jesus. Would you increase in this room? Would you create hunger and thirst in all of us that we've never known before for you, for your presence? When we leave this place, may people know that we've been with you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our lives to see you, to receive you, to welcome you, to honor you, to give you praise, glory, and honor. You deserve it all. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Am I supposed to stand up here? Not down there. It's ideal. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks. It's, it's amazing and wonderful to see friends and family. Um, man. Some people came a long way and surprised me. Um, I'm married to a fairy tale princess, and she's back there, and her mama's by her. So thanks, 
But I pray this morning you didn't come to hear me speak. My prayer is that you've come to hear Jesus. And I want you to know that I'm head over heels, upside down, crazy, silly, flipper pated for Jesus. I love him. And yes, I've had the privilege of walking with a cross. For those of you who don't know, it's it's a big one. It's 12 feet tall. It's six feet wide. And and yes, uh, there have been some prison stories and animal chasing stories. And like my my buddy Ken is here, and we were in in an underground padded cell in Tunisia together uh, with blood on the walls. But we're here. And I'm turning 60 and, and you know, for some people, um, you know, that's, that's a, it's a big deal and I, I guess it is, but I've been trying to give my life away for these last 30 years. I, I write my funeral every year and it's not morbid, I promise. I can't wait to die. You don't have to call 911. I just can't wait to see the one that I know. He's worthy. He's worthy of every breath, every drop of blood, every heartbeat, every thought that I have. And I want it to go to Him. Sometimes when a, um, when a basketball game ends, it's called overtime. Uh, when it ends in, in a tie score. But when a, a football game ends, it's called sudden death. That's kind of been my life. Just you never know. But Jesus did say... He who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who seeks to give his life away or lose his life for my sake in the gospel, he'll find it. There's one version of that scripture that says, he who seeks to keep his life safe will lose it. And my friends, I I think as we live this life, it's not about putting more years into our life. It's about putting more life into our years. He's worthy. And I love any place that talks about Jesus. And this this is a place that says Jesus is the vision. Have you ever thought about what that really means? What does it mean Jesus is the vision? I love the, the, the scripture that says, where the, the Greeks come and say to Philip, Sir, we, we wish to see Jesus. And I think all of us would love to see him with skin on. I, I, I say it this way, we, we can know him face to face right now, but one day we'll see him face to face. But in, in our world with so much zzz, and I, I hope you understand what I'm saying when I say that. But, but our, our life is just zzz. It's just busy. There's noise coming from every place. When I, when I go out to carry the cross, the noise just, it seems like it takes two or three days for the zzz to quit. But everything is pulling at us. Everything is wanting our attention. And sometimes life gets so busy, so noisy, so loud that it's hard to stop and gaze at his beautiful face. Just time runs together. Not long ago, 
You'll, you'll remember this when this happened. Uh, when President Trump was beginning his re-election campaign, he began here in Tulsa. You remember that, that season? And I was downtown carrying the cross. And during that time, a lot of other things were going on. It was just over a year ago. There were a lot of protests. There was uh, a rally that was going on downtown, a Black Lives Matter rally. There was a lot of other things. If you were downtown at that time, it, it was a circus meets a state fair, meets a football game, meets a an old-fashioned tent revival. There was a little bit of everything going on. And I was there with the cross. And as as... As I was walking by, I noticed there was another guy. And I don't know how else to say it except to say that he was that guy. And and sometimes there's that guy that just stands out from all other people. And not necessarily because of who they are, but because of what they do. And what he was doing wasn't bringing healing. It was bringing agitation. He had a large Confederate flag. And he would was waving it back and forth. And every car that was going to the Black Lives Matter rally, he would drape it over their car. I didn't know it, but somebody else driving by took a, a photograph of him waving his car over someone's, uh, waving his flag over someone's car. About two weeks later, I received a text with that picture that that friend took. He says, what do you think? I said, well, I, I saw that guy. He's an agitator. He's a knucklehead. He's just, he was, he was being a punk. And the guy said, no, look closer at the picture. And I did. And do you know what I saw? In the background, about 20 yards in the background was the cross. And I was standing there with my arm around somebody and they were giving their life to Jesus. When we talk about vision, we talk about what we focus on. And sometimes in our world, it's easy to get our eyes on flag bearers and on issues and on the circus and on all the noise. And somehow, some way, we end up taking our eyes off of Jesus. If I were to say, what is your vision? I was with a group of young people the other day. What, what is your vision? And every one of these young people had a great answer. One guy wanted to see global evangelization. And I said, that's, that's awesome. You mean you want to see every, you're, God's going to use you to see every person on the planet saved. He said, I never thought about it, but yes. Somebody else wanted to usher in the, the presence of God. And I thought that's, that's awesome. But what does that look like? Somebody else, they wanted to make everybody smile. I kind of like that one. But when we talk about vision, is it what we do? 
I notice there's some people here in the room, you're wearing glasses, and I'm sure others of you are wearing contacts. If you go to the eye doctor and you talk about vision, I guarantee you, you're not talking about what you're going to do. You're going to be talking about what you focus on. Are you focused on the flag and the issues? Or are you focused on Jesus and what he's doing in our world? See, some people treat Jesus like he's Waldo in the book. Where's Waldo? If you don't know the book, it's a children's book and it has no words. But there's a guy dressed in a red and white striped sweater. He's got a red and white stocking cap and he's got glasses. He's in every page. On one page, there's the beach and there's hundreds of people at the beach doing beachy things. And you have to look to find Waldo. And one page, he's at the football game and everybody's playing football. Waldo's there, but you have to look to find Waldo. He's at the mall doing molly things. But you have to look to find Waldo. And unfortunately, I'm concerned that Jesus is in the building, but sometimes we have to look for him. It might be red or blue issues that have separated us. It might be masks or no masks that have distracted us. It might be vaccination or no vaccination that has distracted us. It might be Jesus is coming very soon, but what we're doing is getting excited about getting out of here rather than having a meeting with Jesus. We get excited about the second coming, but not who is coming. We get excited about the blood of Jesus and its benefits, but not the one who shed his blood. We get excited about evangelism and missions, but not the one who said go. We get excited about revival, but not the one who brings revival. We get excited about prayer, but not the one we talk to. We get excited about worship and worshipy stuff. And the feelings we get about worship, but not the one who is worthy of all worship. And somehow in our world we miss him. But it's really, really easy if we're not careful to do that. You know, here in Oklahoma, we have really good sunsets because of all the red dirt. In fact, there's some of the best sunsets in the world as far as I'm concerned. But sometimes we can see a beautiful sunset, but we miss the sunset. And a sunset can be kind of relative. You take somebody who's just seen Oklahoma sunsets and you take them out into the South Pacific Now, those are sunsets. But the people who are there sometimes have seen so many sunsets, they no longer see the sunset. And we do that with the Bible, don't we? I don't know about you, but I've got more than one Bible in my home. Before I began carrying the cross, I was smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe because they had no Bibles because of communism. And I remember going into a church and I was asked to speak. I sat down on my chair and I laid my Bible by my side on the floor. 
And as we're worshiping, a young man comes up to me. He said, sir, I've never seen one of those. He had never, ever, ever seen a Bible. Never, ever, ever held a Bible in his hands. He said, I can't imagine owning something so precious as this. And by the way, I visited places where there were handwritten Bibles. Other places where they had one Bible, but they would pass it around and people would memorize the Bible. And he said, I can't imagine holding that. But I can't imagine that if I owned one of those that I would ever put it on the ground. Could I just hold your Bible so you don't have to put it on the ground? Because I was so comfortable and so familiar with my Bible. And I'm not talking about making an idol out of the Bible. Because the Bible is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. You find Him in the Bible. But I'm talking about the principle. We we get so familiar with the Bible that no longer do we hunger to read the Bible. We might have our devotions, but we have no devotion. We do it with the cross. All the time as I'm walking, carrying the cross, people come up to me and they say, what are you doing? I said, what do you think that I'm doing? They said, well, you're carrying a cross. But why? I said, but when you, when you see a cross, what do you think about? I think about Jesus. And I say, I'm not trying to, to trap you. I'm not trying to trick you. But when, when a baseball player gets ready to bat, what does he do? And I said, do you think about Jesus? No. And I said, do you, you see a, a beautiful lady on the red carpet and she's got a cross right around here made of gold and silver and diamonds. Do you think about Jesus? No, it's a beautiful decoration. So you, you drive by cemeteries and you see hundreds of crosses. Do you think about Jesus? No, I think about the people who've gone before me. And I said, and, and what do you think about when you drive by a building that has stained glass and a cross on top? Do you think about Jesus? No, I think about the kind of Christians that are in there. I think about the personalities. I think about the preachers. Sometimes I think about politics and sometimes I think about money. The cross has become so familiar that no longer do we see it. On one of my, my buddy Ken's and, and my first journeys overseas, we were in Yugoslavia and I was put in jail. And after being interrogated for a really, really long time, I finally asked him, I said, you guys have been so nice to ask me questions about me. I'm sorry, I haven't asked any questions about you. But, but before I do that, I'd like to know why you've invited me here. And they said, oh, don't you know we're a communist nation and you're not allowed to publicly display your faith. And I knew in that moment, you know, the Bible says when you're brought before rulers and governors for my namesake, You don't have to worry what to say. It will be given to you in that moment. And I knew just what to say. 
I said, you know, I've been in your country and been walking and carrying this cross. As I've walked, I've noticed people have crosses around their neck. Some, some are gold, some are silver, some are made of wood. Some are big, medium, small. I said, I've, I've noticed them on top of buildings. And, and even as I've walked down the road, I've noticed telephone poles in the shape of crosses. So is my crime that I'm really displaying my faith? Or is it the size of my cross? The guy says, oh. And within a couple of hours, I was free. Because they had seen the cross, but they no longer saw the cross. Because it had just become a part of the picture. My Bible had become a part of the picture. The cross became a part of the picture. I'll never, ever forget in Nairobi, Kenya, as we carried the cross into downtown, I I couldn't walk. Downtown traffic was pretty much shut down. And we would lift up the cross and we would preach. There were thousands and thousands of people and it was awesome. But then the crowd parted and there were two men that were leading a man with a cane. He was coming up to the front. He was blind, very obvious because of his cane, very obvious because the color of his eyes. And he came and stood about this far from me. The cross is on its side now. He handed the, held out his cane so the men could take it. And he reached out his hands for me to take his hands. I grabbed his hands. And I'm expecting him to pray, to ask me to pray that he can see. But do you know what he said? He said, sir, I heard that you had a cross. I want to see the cross. And I took his hands and I put them on the cross. And you've never seen someone touch something with such adoration. He cherished that cross. Every tiny millimeter. He went all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom. Each side of the cross being twice. Tears running down his face. And he got to the center of the crossbeam, took a step back, held out his hand for someone to hand him the cane again. And as tears ran down his face, he said, Thank you, sir. Now I've seen the cross. Have you seen the cross? Or is it just a sign that you make, a decoration that you make? Is it just an identifying symbol? Is it a good luck charm? But have you seen Jesus? See, when Jesus walked on this earth, people were around him all the time, but very few people saw him. I love the story as he's going to heal the centurion's daughter, Jairus' daughter. They said, come, she's dying. And as he's on his way, he feels someone touch him. And he stops. And he says, somebody's touched me. And the disciples said, Jesus, everybody's touching you. You said, somebody's touched you? See, it's possible to be around Jesus and Jesus' stuff, but to miss him. It's it's possible to, to pray and read your Bible and miss him. The Pharisees 
Jesus said, you search the scriptures because in them you think that you might find life. But you're unwilling to come to me. One of the saddest questions in the Bible is Philip comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, show us the Father. This is right before Jesus goes to the cross. Show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Has Jesus been with you so long and you still don't know him? Have you not seen him? The scripture tells us to make him our vision. Fix your eyes on him. For years, I prayed the verse that the guy will introduce me with, Philippians 3.10, and I still sign it to my name. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection, but I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. Everybody can know your power, Lord. Everybody wants to know your power. But if there's nobody who wants to be your friend and just cry with you, I want to be that guy. And whatever that looks like, I, I want to be that guy. There's an Old Testament prayer similar to that, that a lot of people pray. They say, show me your glory. We sing it, we say it, we shout it, we proclaim it. Show me your glory, but we forget what comes before that. Moses says, I want to know your ways so that I might know you. The psalmist wrote that the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. So Lord, show me your ways. I prayed that for, for 20 some years, walking on the roads around the world. God, I just want to know your ways. I want to know your ways so that I might know you. We had a little conference in Spain, Guile was there years ago, and, and then after they left, I continued on my way carrying the cross. And, and it was, it was cold that time of year. There are not many tourists that time of year. And I, I, I came to a castle, and this castle was on the edge of a cliff. You couldn't see down below because of the fog, because of the cold. And, and I checked into that castle. Rates were great because it's winter time. And I thought, I'm going to pray that I see the glory of God now. I prayed I want to know His ways. But now, I want to see Your glory, Lord. And I'm going to check into this castle and I'm going to pray until I see His glory. I was there for three days. I read every verse in the Bible on the beauty, on the glory, on the majesty of God on the presence of God. And I don't know what I'm expecting. I, well, I guess I do. I, I, I think I was expecting clouds and lightning and thunderbolts and angels' voices and rainbows. But nothing. I'm fasting and I'm praying and nothing. First night, nothing. Second night, nothing. Third night, nothing. I have to check out on the fourth night. Nothing. But I woke up and the next morning was different. Because when I looked out, no longer did I see the clouds. I could still hear the waves pounding below, but I could see the sea. 
The sea was brilliant blue. It was a cove that was cut out, high cliffs. On the other side, green pastures. Far in the distance were mountains with snow cap. It looked like Narnia. It was awesome. And I felt like Jesus said to my heart, Behold my glory. The whole earth is filled with my glory. I thought, yeah, that's in the Bible. But that wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. And so I, I go down and check out and I go around the corner where I left my cross and, and there was my cross covered in rose petals. And there was a little lady about this tall. She's all hunched over. Her face is all wrinkled and she's just crying and she's putting rose petals all covered. She's kissing the cross. And I felt like Jesus said, behold my glory. Whatever you do to the least of these, you've done it to me. And as you look at her face, you're looking at my face. That wasn't what I was looking for, but it's right. See, sometimes we get distracted by the flag guy. Sometimes we get distracted because we've been around stuff so often that no longer do we see him. And sometimes we get distracted by our expectations. It's going to look like this. And Jesus is whispering and saying, I'm right here. Just stop. Slow down. Take a long look at me. I'm beautiful. I want to love you. I want to give you my peace. I want to give you my grace. I want to give you my strength. But we're looking at all of these other things that we think he should look like. Many years ago... I got, to, to use a good hillbilly word, I got whomped over the head. I mean, another good hillbilly word, it was a slobber knocker. They knocked me all cattywampus. It was a cattle and good hit. I'm a hillbilly. They beat me. I was told later, that I was hit with a baseball bat, a two-by-four, a sawed-off shotgun, the butt end of it, and a metal pipe. You could see my skull from here all the way over to here and across here. Uh, of course, my joke, they had to do a skin graph and put a little bit of skin from back here up here. So you can actually call me a butthead. <laughs> and it's okay in church. I can say that in church because it's about my face. But the thing is, I was unconscious for a long, long time. And I remember when I woke up or could start thinking thoughts, my first thoughts that I remember, I felt like God was speaking to my heart. I felt like he was asking me, would you be willing to give me your vision? And immediately I said, but Lord, without a vision, the people will perish. And, and you told us to write down the vision. It's for an appointed time. And you said, old men and young men, they're going to dream dreams and, and have visions. And I felt like Jesus said, son, I know what I wrote. Are you willing to give me everything? See, in, in churches and in meetings, 
In congregation, so often we say, come to Jesus with your sins, with your sorrows, with your guilt, with your shame. And he took all of that. But he's also calling us to come to him with all our strength, with all our plans, with all our dreams, with our vision, with with everything that he's given us and lay it down. Because otherwise, if we dump the junk, we just come up a refined version of who we are. Rather than empty, dependent on him. And then we end up looking at our strengths. And, and I promise I'm not against this stuff. But sometimes we pursue strength finders and gift finders more than we do the one who gave us our strengths and our gifts. Guys, we don't have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know who Christ is in us. He wants to be your vision. He wants to be my vision. Fix your eyes on him. He's beautiful. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of speaking at another place. And it was during when a lot of the stuff was going on early January. And I actually prepared three sermons. Because I was really nervous. And I remember going into that service and I I knew I would know which sermon I was supposed to preach when I got there. But as we began to worship, I laid my head on the floor and as soon as my head touched, I got this verse in my mind that says, uh, Joshua 5.13. And I sat down and I looked it up. And it's the, the verse where Joshua sees the angel of the Lord by the, the river Jordan. And he's got his sword drawn. It was, he saw Jesus. It's an Old Testament picture of Jesus appearing to Joshua. And Joshua says these words. Are you for us? And we usually say, or against us. But the scripture says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? The message version says, whose side are you on? Hasn't that been the question this year? Whose side are you on, Jesus? Are you on my side? Of course he's on my side. And we we cite all of these things to prove that we're right. But my friends, Jesus is here. And the Jesus says to Joshua, no. He says, but I have come. And you know what Joshua did? He took off his shoes. And in Hebrew culture, when you take off your shoes, you're giving up your rights. So many of us can't see Jesus. Because we're holding on to our rights. I deserve this. This is my right. To fill in the blank. And our eyes aren't on the king. And then he worshipped him. But you can't worship him until you give up your rights. Because you're holding on to something that's, that doesn't belong to you anymore. And you can't see him when you're looking at your rights, what you deserve. 
Listen, if we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Let me just close this morning by sharing this story. In 1983, Korean airliner 007, no kidding, 007, took off from Anchorage, Alaska, en route to Seoul, Korea. And on the way, it was shot down by the Russians, who had warned them three times to change their course. But each time they said, no, we're right on target. We're right on course. They were shot down. 187 people lost their lives. When they recovered the black box and they did all the diagnostics, the plane was off course. The radar system was off by one degree. Just one degree. But for every mile they flew, they were getting closer to the edge. And the enemy had every right to shoot them down because they were in enemy territory. When you're little and you're learning to ride a bicycle, you don't want your dad said, Whatever you do, don't hit the tree. Because you focus on the tree. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? What is your vision? In the, in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 10, there's a story of Bartimaeus. And he's yelling over the crowd, and I love that verse. Here's a man who's never seen a rainbow. He's never seen a rose He's never seen a sunrise. He's never seen a sunset. He's crying out, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and it's so easy in our, in our translations just to skip over that because, but it says he cried out. That means, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. There was a cry of desperation in his heart because he wanted to see more than anything. He, he knew his wife's face. He knew every line. He knew her fragrance. He knew his children. But he never had seen her beauty. And the, the religious people told him to be quiet because Jesus doesn't have time for you. And it says he got louder. He cried out all the more is what it said. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it says Jesus stopped. And of course, Jesus asked him one of the funniest questions in the Bible. This guy is blind. They brought him there. He's blind. He's hands off his stick. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? To me, that's a funny question. He's blind. Uh, I got ingrown toenail. I've got bad gas. I want to see. I want to see. Was his answer. And Jesus touches him and he's well. What's the first thing he saw? But he saw Jesus. But when he saw Jesus, when you look at someone, what's the first thing you see when you look at them? You see their face. And when you see their face, what do you see? And how is he looking at you? 
We've all been blinded by a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. We've got it off on expectations, on rights, on circumstances, on issues. And no longer is Jesus our vision. We say he is, and it's an awesome slogan. But let me just tell you, we become what we behold. Commitment looks like the object it's committed to. And when we walk out of these doors, there needs to be a world that says, they've been with Jesus. Not just these doors, when we walk out of our time with him because we just, he's our vision at home and we love to spend time with him. And we walk downstairs and our, our, our bride says, oh, you've been with Jesus. Our kids say, daddy, you've been with Jesus. That's what the world needs to see. But we go one degree, one degree, one degree. And before long, we're in enemy territory and the enemy is shooting us down. May we get our eyes on Jesus. Let's all stand. There's a prayer that Paul prays in 2 Corinthians. And he prays it for church people. He makes a declaration at first. He says, I'm afraid that in the same way the serpent has deceived Eve. That you've been led astray. And he prays that we're not led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Jesus. Some of us know a whole lot about Jesus. But when's the last time you've just taken a long look at his face? You just sat at his feet. You didn't come with your prayer list. You didn't come with your scripture reading. You didn't come with your version app. You, You didn't come with your YouTube worship playlist. You just came to be with him. And just sat at his feet. And look at his face. I love the Bible verse that says his eyes are looking to and fro throughout all the earth for someone whose heart is completely his. Someone who has a heart that runs after him. Someone who has a heart that's passionate after him. As he said in first point of his sermon, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who know their need, those who hunger and thirst. He wants to fill those. He says that when he finds someone like that, he will strongly support that person. I think one of the hardest places to speak in the world can be Tulsa, Oklahoma, because we've heard sermons. But have we met with Jesus? And my friends, this morning, Jesus is wanting to meet with us. He's saying, I want to be your vision. Because when you look at me, in me, you find what you need. And I pray this morning that those big arms that he stretched out on the cross, that you feel him holding you close, that you can just snuggle up in his arms and lean your head on his chest and hear his heart beating. The first question God asked in all the Bible is, Adam, where are you? Adam had taken his eyes off of his evening meetings with Jesus and had put it on a fruit that seemed good to look at. That tasted good. He'd gotten his eyes off of walking in the garden with his father. His father, our father wants to walk with you. He wants to hold your hand. Perfect love casts out all fear and I promise you he is perfect love. So this morning, the invitation 
It's to say yes. Some of us need a, an adjustment with our eyes. We need glasses. We need contacts. But you can't get glasses or contacts until you say, yes, I need help with my vision. You say with Bartimaeus, I need to see. I've had my eyes on the flag guy far too long. My rights far too long. My opinions far too long. My expectations far too long. I don't want to put them on the king. Across this room, if that's you, could you just lift both hands high? Say, I want to put my eyes back on the king. I've had my eyes on other things, on other worthless things. You see, the, the t- soldiers came to the cross to do something out of obligation, out of duty, because it was right. That's what they were supposed to do. But they ended up missing Jesus. And they ended up playing games at the foot of the cross. King Jesus, look at your children. So many are saying yes. We're tired of playing games at the foot of the cross. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see. We want to see you for who you are. We want to push push past all the religion, all the faith. We, we want to push past the fact that we've heard so much about you, heard so many sermons, listened to so many songs. We want... It to be fresh. We ask that you renew first love, real love, passionate love. Lord, we confess that we've gotten fat. We've stopped seeing because we've stopped looking. We've stopped hearing because we've stopped listening. And our hearts have gotten hard and cold. And we want our hearts to burn with fire for you. Listen, the easiest thing to do and the the church thing to do is to say, repeat after me. I'm not asking you to do that. Right now, there's some of you in in this room that just to say, I need to make this place an altar. And I invite you to come forward just to, to kneel or bow down and lay flat on your face before Jesus. You can do it in your seat or you can come forward right now. But you say, Jesus, I want you more than anything. I want to see you. I want to make you my vision. Maybe there's some of you in this room who have never, ever said yes to Jesus. And you don't know him. You don't, you've heard that he died on a cross for your sins. That he rose again. But it's just a story. Just another religion. Maybe for you it's been a fairy tale. But this morning, say, I need help. My life's a mess. I confess I've made so many bad choices. Or maybe you're like me. I made so many good choices, all I did was count on me. And I compared everybody else by me. And then I realized... He didn't just die for sinners. If he died for sinners, and I know that I'm not perfect, I killed him. And yet from the cross he said, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then he said, it's paid in full. 
if you want to receive his payment. Across this room, is there anybody? You just say, that's me. Just lift up your hand high. And it's okay if people's eyes are open or closed. Amen. Amen. I do want us to pray this together because there were hands up. Pray these words out loud together. Dear God, thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying in my place. I'm sorry that I hurt you and others and myself with the things that I've done and said and thought. Please forgive me and wash my heart. Give me a clean heart, a heart of flesh. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose you to look at you, to adore you, and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank Keith for inviting Jesus to be here. Thank you. Thank you for a life well lived, Keith, for 60 years, and that we get a benefit from your walk with Jesus. The only thing I'll just leave you with is, is as we were raising our hands, saying, I want Jesus, I could, I could hear Jesus saying, here I come. Have a great week. Love you guys.